Well, we're going to do, of course, a few things a little bit different tonight. Does that surprise anybody? <laughs> if you're surprised, you haven't been here with me before because I have a normal tendency, seems like, of doing something different. I know I was at Sarasota one day and I did something different and this lady came up to me and she said, are you always going to do everything different and weird like this? And I said, yeah, probably so. <laughs> she said, okay. So uh, it's going to be fun, though. Are you ready? Y'all will have to pay close attention or you'll miss out on something really, really good, right? Okay, guys, y'all got what I asked you to have ready to do? Just pass them out quickly as you can. Keith is laughing. Look at him. (laughs) He never knows what I'm going to do. Life with me is never, never dull and boring. It's never dull and boring. If you don't know by now what it is, it's a Snickers candy bar. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you permission to do something I never do. It's not allowable. It's, it's signs everywhere. But I'm going to give you permission right now to open that Snickers candy bar and eat it. Now, before you eat it, look at the person. Turn and look at the person next to you. Look at them. Either, both sides. Look at them real, real carefully. Look at them. Real carefully, look at the person next to you, real carefully. And then make sure that they're eating their Snickers. (laughs) If you don't like Snickers or chocolate, I'm so, so sorry. But it's very important that you do this. Ushers, are you eating your Snickers? I know Dan is. I don't have to ask him twice. Okay, who doesn't have a Snickers? Oh, some people here don't even have a Snickers. Here, catch mine. (laughs) Yeah, get them a Snickers. We got plenty. Oh, the choir needs a Snickers for sure. They got one. Okay. Okay. Everybody eat your Snickers. You won't go to hell for eating a Snickers. (laughs) You know, today in our society, something happens on a regular basis that people do. And they spend an enormous amount of their time doing. They do it more than they spend time with their spouse, almost more than they work, almost more than they sleep, almost more than they do anything. They watch that box. They watch TV all the time. So I thought I would just do this test run here tonight and I would see if it really does do what it says it will do for you. (laughs) I would like to know that. I really want to know if it really, really works the way that they say it works. If it does, then I'm going to start really watching it. Okay? Because on that box, it says, I don't know how many of you have seen it, but it says, If you're really, really cranky or grumpy or you're really, really mean, if you eat a Snickers candy bar, you're going to turn into somebody really, really nice or back into yourself. Now, look at your neighbor and see, did they turn into somebody different? Huh? They're smiling? But did they turn into somebody different? No, no, ma'am. They, they didn't turn into somebody different? 
Nobody in this room, look at all these people. Surely if it worked, one person in this room would have turned into somebody different. Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? So you've been watching it? But you didn't change. There is only one thing ever that will make you change, and it's this thing right here. This book, the blood of Jesus, and doing this book is the only thing that will ever, 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 ever make you a new creation. That's the only thing. I don't care. You could eat every Snickers bar we passed out in here. And it is not ever going to make you change. Oh, yeah, it'll make you change. It'll make you get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. (laughs) And that's about the only thing that it will do for you. But it will not make you change who you are and become a nice person. This book is the only thing, and you putting it to practice in your life, that will make you become a nice person. So why do... Millions and millions and millions and millions of people sit in front of that box like it's going to change their life and do what it says. You know what happens to people when they do that? Is they sit in front of that box hour after hour after hour after hour after hour and they watch things that are make-believe and they watch things that are fantasy. And they watch things that are not true. And then they go away and try to live their life and try to believe in a God and a Bible that they have never seen. And it is very hard for them then to believe in something that they've never seen, that they've never felt. It's almost like believing in the tooth fairy that you've never seen or felt. It's almost like believing in Santa Claus because you've never seen him or felt him. Because you have convinced your mind hour after 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 day after week after month after year that they didn't really shoot them. That that person didn't really die. That they're not really a fairy. And you live in a make-believe world the biggest part of your life. And you don't live in reality. So when it comes to trying to live in reality, it's really harder to believe than the make-believe. Because you have sat there for so long and looked at that stuff. But this book is real. The author of this book is real. Our Father God is real. What He says is real. And it will change your life. It will change who you are, what you've become, who you think you're going to be. It will change you forever. It's not make-believe. It's not pretend. But if you go into this book and you read about Jonah and the whale... Is it make-believe? The three Hebrew children, is it make-believe? But what does your mind tell you after watching things like that on TV? 
it's hard to truly believe it. Because you fed it so much make-believe stuff. We do not want to do that. There is preaching on TV. And the tool is a wonderful thing. But you know and I know you ain't sitting there and I ain't sitting there watching preaching 24-7. It's other things that are taking the place of that. And it has caused us to do some things that we shouldn't do. And I want to read you something and then we're going to start on some things. Are you ready? All right. You guys at the back, Keith looked at my page and she said, I think you have enough notes. <laughs> we're going to be there a while, he said. If you would, put up 2 Corinthians 4, uh, let's see, verse 1 in the Message Bible. Hey, and you can just leave your Bibles under your chair for just a, or just in your lap. You don't have to turn to it right now. Then we're going to do we're going to get our Bibles out in just a minute. Look at this on the screen because probably too many don't have a message Bible. So just look at it on the screen. It says, "Since God has so generously let us in on what He's doing, we are not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times." We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. The whole truth on display so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. If our message is obscure, I'm going to say, or it's not working for anyone, it's not because we are holding back in any way. It's because these other people are looking or going the wrong way or refuse to give it serious attention. That is why the word would not work. It is because someone has twisted it or refuse to give it serious attention. Let me show you what I have done and what so many others have done with the Word. And I think it will help us tonight. We are talking about what subject in here this week. So we might as well hit it with both feet. If you know anything about me, I'm not afraid to um, um, step right in the middle of it. So get your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. How many of you don't know what that says? That's what I thought, okay? It says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men 
to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, every person in this room knows that that's in there. Correct? But let me show you what has happened. And I think a big part of it is because, number one, you don't want to do it. Number two, because of make-believe. Dan and Dave, would y'all bring me my other stuff, please? What are y'all laughing at? You don't have to eat any more Snickers, but you can stay all night now because I got you sugared up. I wasn't dumb. I just looked blonde. What we have done, you, me, every person probably in this room, you want your marriage better, right? Okay. So here we go. We go to the Word. We say, okay, God, it's got to get better. I want my marriage better. Oh, God, I want my marriage better. And you pray and you do all these things and I want my marriage better. So you go to the Bible and you read, or I do, okay? Read. What's a wife supposed to do? Well, it says, okay, Ephesians 5. Let's see if we can find it here. Wives, submit. I don't like that. For the husband is the head of wool. I don't like that part. So be subject to Christ. So let every wife be subject to their own husband. Husbands love your wives. There we go. I like that part. I like it. I like that part. That he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water in the word, that he can present it a glorious church. So ought men to love their wives. Love, love, love their wife. Yes, yes, yes. As their own body. Yes, yes. Wait, wait, wait. I need to love their wife. Love their wife as their own body. Yeah. Uh-huh. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it. For we're members, and no father leave his mother, da 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 Nevertheless, so every one of you in particular, so love his wife. There it is again. There it is again. There it is again. <laughs> love his wife. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. That's okay. That's not so bad. We won't highlight it, but we'll just we'll be we'll be okay with it. But you know what? I know that's in there. You know what I think? I think I'll look it up in another translation. Maybe there's a way out of that. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Let's the amplified. It always helps. The amplified always helps. It amplifies things. So let's see if we can find it in here. Let's find us an amplified. Let's see here. Amplified Ephesians. They're going oh already. You hear them? <laughs> Ephesians. Um, let's see. Chapter five. 
Verse 22. Wives. Be subject. Oh, no. (laughs) Be submissive. Surely that doesn't mean what I think it means. Let me find another one. Let's see. That's the New International. That'll work. Let's see. If I can read it, it's got such small print. We'll try. Let's see. Ephesians. Let's see. What does it say? Wives, submit to your own husband. There it is again. I'm just tired of that. And we keep getting Bibles out. You know what? I just... I don't know. Maybe if we look at another place. Well, let's look at 1 Peter. I know it's in there. Let's see. Let's see here. If we can get to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3 9. Okay, let's see. Wives. Whoa. In the same way, be submissive to your own husbands. But if any of them don't believe the word, They'll be won over without words. Now it's telling me not to talk. (laughs) That when they see your purity and reverence, your beauty should come from me, and not the outside. So that means I don't get to buy any new clothes. Not wearing gold or jewelry. I don't even get any jewelry. Instead, the inner self of unfading beauty, a gentle and quiet... I don't even like that. Let's Let's not read that anymore. (laughs) Let's do this. I know what I'll do. Let's do this. We'll do this. Um, Let's see. Got it. Um, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Let's see what that says. Where's my King James Bible here? What did I do with it? I think it's over here somewhere. That's the NIV. I lost my Bibles. I don't have enough of them. Um, let's see. Let's find us something that we can stand on here about our marriage. Um, let's see. Here we go. I think we're going to do something this way. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes me to triumph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that one. Yep, yep, we can use that one. Me, causes me to triumph in Christ. Yeah, I like that one. I'm going to keep that one. We'll put a star around it. Let's put a red star. Let's keep that one. There we go. And that is exactly what is going on with people's lives. We can pretend because we live in a pretend world. And we can pretend that we don't like what this part of the Bible says, but we do like what this part of the Bible says. And we can pretend that we don't know what this part of the Bible says, or we don't want to go with this part of the Bible, or we don't want to do this part of the Bible, or we don't agree with this part of the Bible. But you know what? If we want the results that God has for us, and if we want things better in our lives, Eating a Snickers bar is not going to fix it. It's not going to change us. It's not going to make our lives better. There's one thing that's going to make our lives better. Let me tell you what it is. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
old things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. That means that if you are in Christ, that you can get rid of everything that's happened in the past. That's what the Bible says. It also says in Ephesians 4.23 that if you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, you can put on the new man. And that does not come by eating a Snickers. It comes by getting to know what this book says and doing what this book says. It doesn't happen by tearing the pages out ignoring the pages, pretending like it doesn't work. Because as long as we, the church, the body of Christ, pretend like certain parts of the Bible do not work, we're going to have the same results as the rest of the world has and that part of our lives. Now, if we pretend like prosperity works, he gives me richly all things to enjoy because we like those scriptures you will prosper. Or if you say, by Jesus' stripes I was healed, you will be healed. But if husbands refuse to love their wives and stay bitter against them, we're going to have the exact same results that the world has. And we can tear the pages out, we can mark through them with a permanent black marker, but the results will still be the same. Whether you pretend like you know them or you don't know them, because there was not one person in this room that raised their hand that said that they didn't know that that existed. And we know it exists, guys. And every time I don't submit to my husband, I'm not doing the word, and I'm opening the door wide open for the devil to come in and destroy us. And we can pretend like we don't know it. But the results are still the same. Whether you make believe or you pretend or whatever you do, the results are the same. So if you want better results, you got to do what the book says. You can take your magic markers all day long, as big and fat as you want them, and mark through everything in the books and pretend like it doesn't exist, and go down the drain just exactly the way that the devil wants us to go down the drain, just like the rest of the world does. But it doesn't change God's word. It doesn't change what he said. It says, the Amplified in Ephesians 5, through 33 says, Wives, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, himself the Savior of his body. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wife, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and faultless. Even so, husbands should love their wives as being, in a sense, their own body. 
He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished it and carefully protected it and cherishes it as Christ does the church. Because we are members and parts of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too become one flesh. This mystery is great. But I speak concerning the relation of Christ and the church. However, let each man of you without exception. That left somebody out, right? Without exception, love his wife. Being in a sense, his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects, reverences her husband, she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates, esteems. She defers to him. I know we need to mark that part out. Praises him and loves and admires him exceedingly. Now you can mark through it all you want. But it's still in the Bible. Just like by Jesus' stripes you were healed. Just like greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Just like we're overcomers in Christ. Just like come boldly through the throne of grace. They're all in there. But so is this. And it doesn't change just because we don't agree with it. What does change is the fact that we go through divorces every day. What changes is that there's affairs going on left and right in the church. That's what changes. We don't have to live the way that the world lives. If we want different results than what the world is getting, we've got to do what this book says. It's not a fairy tale. It's not make-believe. And you can't pick and choose that you decide somebody got shot in this book and whether it's right or wrong. You can't twist it and make it say what you want it to say. You have to agree with the whole thing. Every part of it. If you want God's best. And we want God's best. But the best part about it is, God has never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, 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 never, 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 and never will ask you to do something that will not be for your benefit. And will not be for your good. And will not help you and bless you and give you the greatest benefits and rewards of your whole lifetime. That's not the kind of God he is. He's the kind of God that if he tells you to do something, it's because he is looking out for good for you. Now, but the thing about it is, how dumb can we be? Now, I'm blonde. I have an excuse, but the rest of you, what's going on? How dumb can we be that we don't see all the troubles that people are having? People are having trouble. How many of you in here do not know at least five people having marriage troubles? At least five people. At least ten people. One person. So do you see what I'm saying? People are having troubles because they're not doing what God told us to do. Did the Snickers bar work? No, because it was make-believe. This book is not make-believe. How many of you have ever been healed in your body from something God did? Oh, well, that's quite different. 
How many of you did the Snickers bar work for? How many of you has God ever met your needs? Hmm. How many of you did the Snickers bar work for? How many of you has God ever led you and given you direction when you asked him for it? Hmm. And the Snickers bar didn't work? Go figure. So why is it that one part of the word would work and not another part of the word? Why is that? It is because the devil does not want us doing what God wants us doing. It has absolutely nothing to do with your marriage. Nothing. It has nothing to do with you and your husband fighting. What it has to do with is the purpose and plan God has for your life. That's what it has to do with. It has to do with when you propose to your wife, your first thing should have been, what is God calling us to do with our life? That's what should have happened. You should have sat down and you should have said, maybe you weren't saved, but I, and we weren't saved when we got married. But not very long after that, God dealt with us. This is the plan I have for you. Load up your green trigger truck and look like the Beverly Hillbillies and go to Ramah. That was his purpose at that point in time. Load up, go. We looked exactly like the Beverly Hillbillies. We didn't have much. We, you know, lived in that 1969 Marriott mobile home. There ain't much you can put in a 1969 Marriott mobile home. We didn't have much. And we got a furnished apartment with a sofa with, you put cans under the legs. It was a special place. It was very special. Because, you know, to this day, I say that jokingly, but it really was a special place. Because that's where we learned about faith. But God had a purpose for us. And he had a plan for us. And he had something for us to do. And for us to do it together. How many of you think things would be different if we wouldn't be together today? Huh? What if when Keith and I had trouble the first few years of our marriage, everybody in this room knows it because I've said it before, what if we would have gotten a divorce? We wouldn't have this church. We wouldn't have the TV stuff. We wouldn't be building the new word production center for the word to go out. We wouldn't have any of that stuff. The devil is not in it just for these two single individuals. He's in it for the whole world and the plan that he has for other people. Look at this with me. Acts 26, verse 16. The Lord is talking to Paul, and he says, But rise and stand up on your feet. I have appeared unto thee for this, what? This purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering the people from Galilee unto whom I now send thee to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. Did Paul have a purpose? Do each and every one of you have a purpose? 
that is the plan that the devil has to destroy your purpose. That's his whole plot in life is to destroy your purpose. He can do it. Look, look at Ezra. You don't even have to turn to it. They'll put it up on the screen because you'll never find it. <laughs> It'll take too long. Ezra. Verse, uh, chapter 4 and verse 5 is the only part I want you to get. And look at this. This is King James. Verse 5. They hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. Now, do you think Paul ever had any frustrations doing the things that God had called him to do? Was there any frustrations he had in serving God? Well, it says it plainly here that they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose in building the temple. Is it possible? Is it possible that things could happen that could try to frustrate your purpose? But do we have to let it frustrate our purpose? What can we do in order to keep it from frustrating our purpose? If we do what the world does, we will get the same results that the world gets. The only thing that gives us power, the only thing that gives us strength, the only thing that makes us overcomers, you can't say... You can't just keep crying. You can't just keep begging. You can't just keep whining. You can't just keep hoping. God, fix this for me. God, fix this for me. I remember one time, Keith was, I hope you don't mind me telling this, but he was talking to the Lord about, talk to me, Lord, talk to me, Lord, talk to me, Lord. And he said, I did talk to you in this book. And as soon as you know this book, we'll have something else to say type thing. Is that right? Pretty much. You know, I I didn't get it exactly right, but... I always tell the punchline before the joke anyway. But that's the way it is with our marriages. People are crying out to God. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Make him change. Make him change. Make him change. Make her change. Make her change. God, make him change. God, please make him change. Oh, I can't take it anymore. God, make him change. Make him change. I can't take it anymore. And he's saying, do my word. Do my word. In his still, small voice, he's saying, Wives, submit. Husbands, love. Wives, submit. Husbands, love. Say it with me. Ha, ha. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Men, hush. Ladies. Wives, submit. Okay, now the rest of you join us. Wives, submit. Okay, now the guys. Husbands, love. Let's practice that a few times. Ladies, wives, submit. Husbands, husbands, love. Reckon why God said that. Wives, husbands, wives, husbands. Reckon why God said that. Because that would be our natural tendencies. It's very, very easy to do it the other way. And the husband's to say, submit, do it this way. And the wife to say, 
you don't love me. But what? Because why? Women are way more emotional than men are. And they have the idea of what love is. And the men are never doing it right. It's never happening. They're never doing it right. And nor are the women ever submitting right. It's never happening. Right? You might as well laugh. (laughs) I'm going to know it's talking about you if you're not. But it's a fact. But God knows that. God made us different. But yet and still he gave us the minds and the words to know this. Husbands are supposed to love their wives. Now just recently in Sarasota, I taught on 1 Corinthians 13. And this is what I would like for you guys to do. You're supposed to read 1 Corinthians 13 tomorrow, right? For this 25 people over here that will read it tomorrow, I'll talk to you. The rest of you? Okay. Tomorrow when you read 1 Corinthians 13, I want you to do what I taught on there. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 13 like you would be reading it and dealing with a three-year-old child. Let's read it. If I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not, I'm reading it out of the Amplified, love, uh, I'm only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So God don't care how much you know unless you have love. Let me ask you a question. We're going to read it like we're talking to a three-year-old. Do you think, how many of you have ever had a three-year-old before? Okay. When you go to your three-year-old, who had their hand up in this section right here? Three-year-old. Had a three-year-old. You went to your three-year-old and you were very spiritual and you were talking to them in tongues. Shandai, rundai, untie my bow tie. (laughs) Did you impress them? Did you impress that three-year-old with your spirituality? Not at all. Not even a little bit. But if you patted him and said, hey, honey, how's it going? I love you. Did you impress him then? You betcha you did. You betcha. That's what love is. Guys, it's not confusing what love is. It's like dealing with youth or anybody else. They don't want to know how much you know till they know how much you love them. They could care less. Nor could a three-year-old. Moving right along. (laughs) Or if you have prophetic powers and you can understand all the secrets of truth and mysteries and possess all knowledge and you have sufficient faith that you can even move mountains, but you don't have love, you're a useless nobody. You got a three-year-old. You've been praying and fasting for months to move this mountain. You stood out there. You spoke to that mountain. And it shook and it moved to the other side of the sea. That three-year-old standing there beside you. Did you see that? Did you see that? Yeah. Where's my popsicle? (laughs) Did they care that you moved that mountain? They wanted their chicken nuggets. Is that right? They don't care about that sort of thing. Love. How does it affect them? That's really how love thinks. It's how does it affect the other person. 
How does it affect the, the person that you're ministering to or you're talking to? Uh, I don't have to go through all of these. Even if you dole out everything you have to the poor, giving them food, or you surrender your body to be burned in order that you get, can get glory, but you don't have God's love in you, you gain nothing. You can see the picture. You can give everything you have away. Did you impress that three-year-old? How much did you impress him? Not any. So you get the picture of what this is talking about. And it goes on down here. And I want to make sure that you get a couple of these. Uh, Let's see. Because they're real good. Um, Love never fails. Becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Uh, Prophecy will fail. Let's see. Let's see where I want to get to. Here we go. It bears up under anything. Wait a minute. Love bears up under anything. That means you can take anything she can dish out. Now, God created you, and he said husbands do what? What does love do? What does love do? So you can take anything she can dish out. One person can. (laughs) Hey, it's ready to believe the best. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. It endures everything without even getting weak. It never fails. Do you get the picture? That's what love does. I want to ask you a question. I asked it to them in Sarasota, and I'm going to ask it to you too. If your child... I didn't remember... So I told it like this. Keith told me later. One day his little brother got a new saw, was it? It was your daddy's saw. Got a new couch. That's what it was. You already painted your own picture. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you think his mother threw him away or divorced him the next morning? Because he did something really stupid or dumb? He took that saw and cut the cushions in half, cut the legs off, cut the arms off. Brand new sofa. He did. And they didn't have the money. I mean, they weren't wealthy people. I mean, he sawed the thing into shreds, I'm telling you. But his mother still loved him when it was all said and done. She didn't beat him. She didn't yell. She didn't scream. She didn't disown him. But that's what love does. Love knows they messed up. Love knows they knew better. Love knows they could have done better. But love still loves them. The next morning when they wake up, what does she do? She sees little Jack laying in the bed looking us all so cute and sweet, (laughs) and she just pats his little face. Even though he he saw her sofa in two the day before. He's so sweet and innocent laying in the bed that next morning. And every bit of that is totally gone, totally forgotten. Because God's mercies are new the next morning. That's why it talks about getting it fixed before you go to bed at night. Because God's mercies are new the next morning. And you should see your little wifey just laying there in the bed just so sweet and innocent. 
pat her little face. <laughs> Susie's face, you know, just pat it. Little Susie, she's so sweet and innocent. No matter what she did the day before. Because that's what love does. That's who love is. That's our Father. That's what it does. You know, we had a very good example of this. And the older I get, the more I see it. We had the privilege of serving with Brother Hagen, decade after decade. The man was like this, never changing. Every once in a while, something would rile him. And um, let's see how I can put this very delicately. It was mom. <laughs> we would come in a service. I kid you not. And I would be so embarrassed sometimes because dad's standing here preaching and he's like standing right here and her seat is right there like where mine is or something. And we come down the aisle and uh, I'd be having her helping her down to their seat and she would just walk and almost flat run over dad to get to her seat. Dad had to be the most patient, kind, loving. Did did he ever, he had ever even blinked an eye, did he? Never blinked an eye. Calm, loving, never lost his cool. Love. That's what love does. Now that we've stepped all over the guy's toes, are you ready? We've got to be fair about this, right? <laughs> the guys are clapping now. <laughs> Ladies, it said we are the... H-E-L-P, what, what, what? Uh, ten people got it. A, let's spell it again. H-E-L-P-E-R. What, what does that spell? Helper. Helper. It does not say... L-E-A-D-E-R. It says helper, not leader. Right? And that's where the problems come in. Because we are supposed to come under. And you know what? I'll just be totally and brutally frank with you. You know I move fast. And sometimes I think my husband moves too slow. And I just have to help him a little more than he thinks he needs help. And that puts me then in what other position? Leading. Leading. It's true. And you have to watch. Because in your purpose of doing things, you need to find out what it is. If you're working together on something, you have a plan and you have a purpose. Our purposes, and I can only talk about me, I can't talk about you. Our purposes were to go to Ramah, then to come and start this church. Well, to move to Branson, then to come and start this church, then to go and start another church. During that time, somebody has to take the lead. Now, It's not okay 
if the wife says, oh, yeah, but I don't got that. What if, what if Abraham, the Lord told Abraham, okay, Abraham, you're supposed to go into this country. And Sarah would have said, I don't got it. That ain't what I got. Who's in the lead now? Ladies, y'all are too quiet. The guys were at least laughing. Who's in the lead now? She is. Because it puts him in a really bad spot. We have to do our part in adapting and following. It doesn't make it fun sometimes, but it is what has to happen in order to avoid all the divorces and all the other things that are happening. We can't take our magic marker and mark it out and say, I don't want to adapt and I don't want to follow. Because you don't want the results that you're going to get otherwise. You don't want a divorce. You just think you do. Because the consequences that follow divorce are not good. See how quiet y'all got? The ladies really don't like what the Bible says, but the Snickers ain't going to change you. It's true. We have a part to play. And doing the part that we are doing is the most... I could not... Okay, let me put it to you this way. In the Bible where Moses... And I'm going to talk about Moses in just a minute, but I'm going to get ahead of myself just a second. Moses saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Did he not? I know in my own heart, had I not, now don't get me wrong, I'm about net in the first reader when it comes to submission, but I know, had I not have done the little bit of submission that I've done, I would have not have seen the miracles that we have seen. Just in the Sarasota church, because it's so recent, I can remember those miracles greater. We had a big bill. How much was that bill? Started out to be like $170,000. What did it come down to? Like 70-something thousand. But let me tell you what happened. God had to change the law in the city to get that bill to come down. God did it. Now let me tell you another miracle that happened. The building that we bought and we're in was sold and it was in the newspaper. That the city had already given them big amounts of money to have this building. Now, I know Moses saw miracles, but I have seen miracles my own self. I've seen healing miracles. I've seen financial miracles. I've seen salvation miracles. I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Happening in, through us. And I know, had I not have followed so closely with my husband, I would have missed all these miracles that God was doing. I would not have been a part of them. I would have not have been right in the middle of them, right front and center of going to get waking up one morning and, and God saying, okay, Phyllis, get up and go to the bank. And being a part of that and him directing you exactly where to go, meeting the people, them doing what you need to do and, and being there. I wouldn't have been a part of that 
had I not have submitted and done what God told me to do and stayed hooked with my husband. And that is what the devil does not want you to know. It has nothing to do with you submitting. It has to do with you missing out on your purpose. It has to do with you missing out on your call. It has to do with you missing out on the miracles that God has for you and that you're going to totally miss out on seeing. The devil does not want you to see that. He does not want you to have that. He only wants you defeated so that you will never ever, ever, ever tell anything about God to anyone. Because if you are defeated and you're distraught and you're down, you don't want to hear from anybody about anything. You just want to stay in your little house with the covers pulled over your head because you can't get the answers. And you won't even hear it if God says the answer. You want me to prove it to you? I'll prove it. I can prove it. I got a Bible. Let's see if we can find it, though. Exodus 2, verse 11. One day, after Moses was growing up, you all remember this story. This is the NIV anyway. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And what did he do? He killed him. He killed him because he loved his people so much. He loved them so much. He was taking up for them. He loved them so much. He killed someone for them because they were hurting them. So he got to talking to God about them. And him and God made a plan. This is Phyllis' translation. And they're going to get them out of there. So he tells Moses, go tell him this. Okay? He says, Exodus 6, 8. Tell them, I will bring you into a land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for a heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses spoke unto the children of Israel. What did that say? Moses spoke to the children of Israel. But they hearkened not unto Moses. For what? Anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. They could not even hear what Moses was saying. Let me read it to you from another translation, the NIV. It says, because of discouragement and cruel bondage. The Living Bible says, Because they were too dispirited, they couldn't hear what he was saying. So what did Moses do? He kept pounding it in them. You have to listen to me. You have to listen to me. This is very important. You're going to be delivered. It's not what God did. The next verse, God says, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, go in and speak to the Pharaoh. He took a different route and got him built up. That is exactly what the devil wants from you. He wants you so disheartened, so in anguish, so upset that you can't even hear what God's telling you. You won't hear it. You won't hear that if the Bible says husband's love 
and wives submit that that's your answer? Because you don't think you can take anymore. You can't hear it. It's too much for you. Because the devil has got you to where it's too much. You don't want anything to do with that person anymore. The devil has you to a place where you can't even think about doing what the Bible says because you're too disheartened. But that is not true. Because God, when he sets a plan in motion, he will bring things about from another direction. And maybe you can't hear that part right now, but he'll send somebody across your path and he'll say, Sus, I love you. Everything's going to be okay. Or he'll send Brother Keith to teach a message that'll come at it from another direction. Or he'll send this person to do something and they'll come at it from giving you a gift. And you will get built up to a spot to where you can. But the problem is, when you get to that point, you have to decide what it says. If you're going to do it or not. Or you're going to pass it by again. Because he'll get you back there again. Because it's only his word that you get renewed and you get changed and your life gets changed. Not Snickers bars, not TV, not make-believe, not any of that stuff. But look at what happens when people don't do some of the things that they're supposed to do. These people that he pulled out of there, I'm telling you, was bad news. You all know the story. He stayed with these rebellious people. Now Moses himself was the meekest man, the Bible says. He was humble. He was meek. He led the sheep before that. But he hung around these rebellious people decade after decade after decade. And that is the thing that you have to watch. When you are going through tests and trials... Make sure you're hanging around the right people. Don't hang around people that pull you away from doing what this says or empower you to feel sorry for yourself or empower you to say, bless your little heart, feel sorry for yourself. He's mistreating you. She's, she, you should leave her. Because I don't care how strong of a person you are, it can get off on you. I don't care how built up in the Word you are, or how humble you are, or how meek you are, people around you affect you. Moses, the Bible says, was the meekest man. But look at this. Numbers 20, verse 6. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour wa its water out. You will bring the water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He'd been doing it that way time after time after time, just exactly the way that the Lord commanded him. And what kind of results did he get? Miracles. 
Miracle after miracle after miracle. But verse 10. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. Now wait a minute. Now he's been around those rebellious people for how how long? Decade after decade after decade. Does it matter who you hang around? Listen, you rebels. Now that sounds like a little bit of something else to me. Sounds just a little bit like maybe judging somebody. Must we bring you water out of this rock? We? We? Who's we? Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. And that's what it's about. Us trusting God enough to know that if he says do it a certain way, he can produce the answer. But what's happened with so many people is they've decided they can do it on their very own. They don't need God. They don't need his Bible. Especially maybe our camp, the faith camp. It's almost like they've become in some ways we, holier than thou, we can fix it ourselves. What do we need God for? We can handle it. But you know what? We can't hardly tie our shoelaces without God helping us. You can't fix your marriage without God. You can't fix your kids without God. You can't fix anything without God. And the only way that you can do things with God is doing it His way. The worst part about this story to me is this man, Moses, served God year after 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 year. How many times have I said that? Seems like a lot, right? Well, that's not enough. Year after year after year after year. And he did not get to go into the promised land with them. Because he rebelled just exactly like they rebelled. He let them rub off on him. But you know what? I believe God's merciful. And I believe, I mean, I looked it, I looked it up and I thought, why didn't he repent? He just said, God, can I go in? But he didn't repent. God, can I go in? And I think that's what happens to a lot of people. They get to hanging around people that tell them, oh, he's no good anyway. There's somebody better for you. You don't have to put up with that. You don't have to deal with that. That's not what marriage really is. And then we watch that make-believe thing and we decide what marriage is. And it's not what this book says. This book tells us what it is. It's husbands loving and wives submitting. But we go and talk to this person 
and we go and talk to that person that knows absolutely... People are talking to people about marriage that's been divorced three and four times and taking their advice. Now, how dumb is that? You know what? You can always find somebody that will agree with you, just like what I was doing on these Bibles. I guarantee you, if I went long enough and I just kept having them bring me Bibles out here and having them bring me Bibles out here, I would find Bibles that would say a wife doesn't have to submit. They would reword it in such a way that it it would be equal submission. I'm sure of it. I've looked. I found it. I needed it. I needed to know that I didn't have to submit all the time, you see. You didn't? You want me to tell you, ladies, tomorrow night what book it's in? be our secret then okay (laughs) but if you keep looking long enough you will find books you will find people you will find whatever you want to find to feed your flesh but it will never satisfy your flesh guys you will never see the things that God wants for you you'll never fulfill the call that God has on your life you'll never get to the purpose that he has for you He has a plan for you, and it's a wonderful plan, and it's a good plan, and he has a purpose for you, and it's a wonderful purpose. It's a great purpose. But you have to do what he says do. And guys, you have to lead. You can't turn that over to your wife. It's your job. You can't lead when you want to lead and not lead when you don't want to lead. It's a full-time job. It's not part-time. You have to do it all the time. I mean, in those scriptures that are in the Bible that talks about staying away from the street where the wayward woman lives because she can seduce you with her words, let me tell you a little secret. And I know I'm getting off the path here, but it just needs to be said. There are women all over this world that pride themselves in getting men. And the Bible says even the strong will fall. Don't fall. Don't even get on the block. Don't get on the street. Don't go in the neighborhood. There's too much of that stuff going on. Don't let yourself be caught in the devil's trap with these sweet little innocent faces. Yeah, I've got a sweet little innocent face too. Everybody has sweet little innocent faces. But the devil will get in people and, okay, you're, yeah, you're nice, you're sweet, yeah, yeah. And destroy marriages. That's his game. And he'll find a weak spot to get in and maneuver. But we can't be ignorant of his devices. At some point in time, we've got to realize that these things that are in this book are not just here for the fun of it. They're here not for make-believe. And when it tells us not to do something and to do something, we don't react to it the way that we react to a fiction book or to a TV program. We don't get to pick and choose what we believe or what we don't believe. It's holy And it's precious. And when it says, do this, and you read it, 
what should we do? We should do it with, I mean, I am a very intense person in case you've never noticed that. But when I do something, I do it with intensity. And that's what we should do with the things of God. We should do them with every fiber of our being, with all of our heart, with all of our soul. Because the rewards for doing it are far beyond anything that our hearts or minds or soul could ever imagine. And his plan is greater than you can ever think. The worst part about it is you don't even know things that you're missing out on. You don't even know good things. We wouldn't even know all the wonderful things that we had in Sarasota. We wouldn't know the people in this church. So what we have to make a decision of is are we going to stand and believe like we believe on TV programs? Are we going to believe the way the Bible intends for us to believe? And are we going to take our magic markers and decide, okay, I don't believe this. I don't believe this will ever work. Are we going to trust God and believe that if he said it, not only he said it, we're supposed to do it, but if he said it, we can do it. He would never tell us to do something that we could not do. He will empower us. He will give us the grace. He will give us the strength. He will give us the wisdom. He'll show us how to say it. He'll show us how to do it. But we have to take the steps to do it. It didn't say he's going to renew our minds just by throwing stuff in our heads. It says we have to do it. There's a point that we have to start in that direction. There's things that we have to do. Are you ready to quit pretending and make believe? Ready to not think that a Snickers is going to work or a TV program is going to work? The only thing that will work is this book. Stand up on your feet. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.